Ben. Well, ladies, it's so fabulous to really just have you here. And, and I just want to share with you this evening a message that's really been on my heart. I think since the beginning of the year and, and really as I was praying, um, for, for tonight, um, you know, God gave me the green light to share it. And, and really this message came about while we were putting together our devotions. Um, so this year we decided to have weekly newsletters that we would send to each of you ladies well before you actually got to the designer life, uh, 2018 so that you could get a little taste of what to expect. And as part of that um, newsletter and that devotion, we introduced a meet the team section, right? And the idea here was to really get you guys to meet the team that is behind this, this great event, okay? I mean, these ladies have been working hard and very long hours, and we felt it was a great way for you guys to get to know them, not only professionally, but also personally. And so what I'd do is I'd, I'd put together a few questions, and I'd just get the ladies to answer them. And one of the questions really stuck out at me, and it was a question that I asked one of the ladies to answer, and the question was really this. What would I tell my younger self? What would I want my younger self to know that I know now that I would tell her now that I'm older? Okay, that kind of doesn't make sense. Okay, but, but essentially it's what would I tell my younger self? Okay, and, and really this is, this is my message for you this evening. I want to share with you three, three things, three principles that I've learned from the Word of God and that I've applied from the Word of God. And my prayer for you this evening is that as I share these principles, you will take them. You will, you will meditate upon these principles. And as you begin to walk in these principles and implement them in your life, I believe that God is going to do a mighty thing in your lives. I believe that you will start to see yourself walking in your true identity. I believe that you will start to see yourself walking in victory over all the circumstances and over all the situations that have been holding you back. Amen. So who's ready for this message? Can you put it up for me, please? I actually prepared some slides. I wanted to outshine you, Shikali. <laughs> so I prepared some slides. <laughs> okay, I prepared some slides. So the title of my message this evening is, You Are Beautiful. You Are Beautiful. Amen. And so the first um, principle I want to share with you this morning, if I can have the next slide, please, is that you are a masterpiece. Ladies, you, 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 and you. We are all masterpieces. Amen. And so I think most of you are aware by now that the theme for this year's designer life is diamonds and pearls, right? And I can see you guys are all looking fabulous in your diamonds and pearls. Can you see my jeans? All the way from Durban. Yay! Diamonds and pearls. So I thought I'd accessorize on the jeans. Um, but not only was the idea behind this theme to get you to look fabulous, and again, you're all looking fabulous, but truly, our heart's desire was that after this weekend, you will know that you are fabulous. You will know that you are precious and that you are so, so very valuable. That is who you are. And so the scripture that we shared with you all before Designer Life on which this whole theme um, hinges around is, is Ephesians 2 verse 10. And if I can please have it up and, and, and King James will do. Um, for those that don't have um, Bibles at hand, if I can have it up on the screen, please. But I'll read it. It says, for we are his workmanship. In other words, we are God's workmanship. And the Bible says that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which Christ hath before ordained that we should walk 
in them. And so I just want us to, to, just, to just dwell a little bit in that scripture because, you know, when, when I really started meditating on it, it, it really changed the way in which I saw myself. It really changed the way that I, that I, that I interacted with people, okay? So if you will give me permission, I'm going to spend a little bit of time just, just, just dissecting this, this, this chapter or this verse at least, okay? I want to bring your attention to that word workmanship, okay? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship signifies something that's manufactured, okay? Something that has been designed and produced by a craftsman or by an artisan. So in other words, what the scripture is saying, ladies, is that you and I, we have been handcrafted by God, Him's very self. We are His workmanship, handcrafted by God, him, his very self, okay? That means we're not the result of some mass production line churning out identical goods. We're not the result of some random creation process that has no meaning and is actually quite confusing. Ladies, we're not even the result of some mistake that may have happened to our parents. Oops. God intentionally... God purposely and God personally created you. You are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. You are his handiwork. Amen. Now, if that excites you, what I'm about to say to you next is going to excite you even more. So hold on to those chairs. Or hold on to your pearls if you've got them, okay? (laughs) That word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema. Okay? Is it not? Okay. It's a bit soft. You see, I can't, I, I'm shouting. I can't even hear myself. Okay, we're going to switch off. Um, we're going to use this mic. Testing. Oh, brilliant. That word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, from which we get the English word poem. Poem. And we're not talking about just some poem here that my four-year-old puts together, you know, four little lines of mommy loves you know, me and I love mommy. What Ephesians 2 verse 10 is saying that we are God's Shakespeare masterpiece poem. You are God's masterpiece poem. Woo! That excites me, ladies. And we know a poem is so very beautiful, right? Because a poem is very different from a paragraph. Every word in a poem is carefully thought of. Every line in a poem is carefully put together. You are carefully put together, girls. A poem rhymes and it has rhythm. A poem is beautiful and a poem is lyrical. You are God's masterpiece poem. You are God's masterpiece poem. That is who you are. Amen. And so what that means is that we are not average and you're most certainly not ordinary. You're a one of a kind original Handcrafted by the greatest artist of all times. Ladies, think about it. The greatest artist of all times. The creator of this beautiful universe. I read somewhere that there's actually a planet that rains diamonds. She actually goes with our theme. There's literally a planet that pours down, that showers diamonds. This very same creator created you, created me, created us. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece poem. We are his finest work of art. 
the very same creator dreamt about you. He knew you long before he formed you. He knew you. He knows you long before you were even born. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, I think it's in the Amplified, says that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew and approved you as my chosen instrument. And so I'm here to tell someone this evening who feels that they're insignificant, who feels that no one knows them. God knows you. God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And he approves of you. Amen. Even before the foundation of this very world, God chose you. Ephesians 1 verse 4, again in the Amplified, and I love this scripture so much. It says, even as in his love, he chose us. He actually picked us out for his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. You know, ladies, God picked you out for himself as his own. And every time I read the scripture, I'm reminded of, of when I was in high school, quite ironically. I don't know if you, a lot of, some of you may have played netball or basketball. Um, well, I did. Evidently not too well. Because what would happen is the coach would pick the two greatest players, okay? And he'd ask and he'd assign her uh, the one to team A and the one to team B. Uh, you, you, I see the lights are going on. You know what I'm talking about now, right? And he'd always tell these two goody two-shoes, good best players to pick people for their team, okay? And so each of them in turn would like pick one, pick two, pick three, whatever, you know? And somehow I was always picked last. In fact, I was never even picked. I, by default, because everyone else had been picked, I ended up in the team that had like the fewest players, okay? Well, if this happened to you, and I know it's happened to you, you just, you know, just don't want to admit But ladies, if if this has ever happened to you, I've got good news for you. God never picks you last. God never picks you because he has to. God never picks you because he feels sorry for you. God picks you because he wants you. God picks you because he's chosen you. God picks you because he loves you. You are chosen. God has picked you. You are precious and you are so valuable. Ladies, this is your identity. This is who you are. Amen. In the book of Judges, Judges 6 to be precise, we come across a young, timid man. His name is Gideon. Hey, I'm going to talk about the guys because somehow the guys are always somehow timid and shy, you know. Throw you under the bus. Pastor Denzel's not here, so you can throw him under the bus too. (laughs) But um, we come across a young man called Gideon. Very timid, very shy. Oh, yeah. Cheers. (laughs) Very timid, very shy. We love you. And, and, and Gideon, to set the context, Gideon lived at a time where the Israelites were under oppression by an enemy called the Midianites. Okay, so the Midianites was their enemy at this time. And amongst this all, we see, we see, we, we see our, the character of our story, Gideon step in, right? Now, t- Gideon was so very petrified of the Midianites that in Judges 6, when we come across him, he's doing a really bizarre thing. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay. And so now I want to, I want, maybe let me describe what threshing wheat is first, okay, so you can get the point, okay? So essentially, and I'm not a farmer, okay, so I've had to really research this. So feel free to correct me after this message, okay? 
But threshing wheat literally is, um, you'd put your wheat on a mat, on a threshing mat, okay? And you'd literally toss it up in the air. And as you toss it up in the air, the wind would literally blow away the chaff, which is all, I suppose, the impurities or the stuff that you actually don't want in your wheat, okay? So typically when you thresh wheat, you need to be in a large open space with enough wind to blow away the chaff, okay? But here is our young man, Gideon, threshing wheat in a wine press, okay? Now I've, 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 I've researched and I've, I've got a picture of a wine press so you can, you can see for yourself what this looks like. Cause I think, you know, we, we, we live in 2018, so it's sometimes really difficult to visualize these things, okay? So if, um, slide man, if you can please cue the wine press picture for me, please. Mr. Slide man, pretty please. Okay. It's coming. Oh dear. Okay. I'm going to have to describe it. <laughs> okay. So literally a wine press is, um, it's like a hole in the ground. Okay. It's almost, it can even be like a cave. Oh, there it is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. I'm going to go far here so that I can just point out. I, I don't know if you can really see it. Okay. But it's like a hole in the ground. Okay. And the idea is that they put wine in this press and they, you know, step on it and effectively like suck out the wine. Okay, and the wine would then flow into all sorts of things and, 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 and be, be drunk. Okay, so <laughs> that's a very brief uh, summary of it all I've tried. But, but um, Gideon, our young man Gideon, is threshing wheat in this small little thing. Small little nya, nya, nyama. What do you call it? Small little nyanya. Nya, nya, small nyanya. <laughs> that too. In this small little cave. In this small little hole, this guy is so terrified that the Midianites will take away the very little wheat that he has. He's threshing this wheat with no wind in this small hole, coughing up chaff dust, <coughs> you know. And it's really, it's really quite a, quite a, quite a, quite a futile activity, okay. But, but by the way, that's what he's doing. And that's what we're told he's doing, okay. And at some point, threshing his wheat, coughing up the chaff dust, <coughs> in this narrow and fine closure, the angel of the Lord appears to him. Oh, I'm such an actress. I actually want to act this out because it's so, it's so dramatic. The angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel says, fear not. The Lord is with you, Gideon. You mighty man of valor. And I can only imagine Gideon, right? He must have like done a double take, like, oh God, this guy is in the wrong wine press. I think go to the next wine press, the wine press next door. You'll find the mighty man of valor there. Because there was Gideon acting anything but a mighty man of valor, right? I mean, this guy was hiding out in a wine press, threshing wheat, in a place where he really shouldn't be pressing wheat, well, threshing wheat, because he's just so fearful. But what we need to realize, ladies, is that when the angel of the Lord is calling Gideon, a mighty man of valor, he's calling Gideon by who God says Gideon is. Gideon is a mighty man of valor. Therefore, the angel says to him, you are a mighty man of valor because this was his God-given identity. This was who God had called him to be, a mighty man of valor. And what we really need to realize, ladies, is that God doesn't relate to us based on our circumstances. God doesn't relate to us based on our situations. God relates to us based on who he has called us to be. God relates to us based on who we are, who we really are in Christ. Amen. And so the story ends really well. 
it actually ends really well in chapter 7. Where when Gideon finally saw who he was, we read that that mighty man of valor arose. And that mighty man of valor was already there in him. But when Gideon got the revelation of who he truly was, he gave permission to that mighty man of valor to arise. And we know how that story ends in Judges 7. Gideon led the Israelites in a great war. And he led them into victory. Amen. Amen. You see, ladies, when you get the revelation of who you are, when you get the revelation of who God says you are, you will begin to unlock your destiny. You will begin to walk in the fullness of everything that God has created you to be. Ladies, when you get the revelation of who you are, you will stop seeing yourself as a grasshopper. You will stop seeing yourself as timid, fearful, shy, incompetent, inadequate. And you will begin to see yourself as the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is your true identity. God calls you forever prosperous. God calls you forever blessed. God calls you successful. God calls you significant. God tells you, calls you capable. God calls you valuable. And God calls you valued. God calls you precious. God calls you beautiful. God calls you chosen. This is who you are. This is who you are. Receive this revelation tonight, ladies. Because this is who you are. Amen. When you get the revelation of who you are in Christ, you will stop comparing yourself to others. I think I've hit a wrong note here. Ouch. I'm going to preach it other way, okay? You will stop comparing yourself to others. One of the things that distinguishes a masterpiece, and some of you ladies know Ronelle, um, an artist in our church. And I, and I asked her the question, I said, well, what really distinguishes a masterpiece, right? And she says, one of the things that distinguishes a masterpiece is that it is unique. It is unique. And it is an original. You are unique. And you are original. There is no one else like you. And there can never be anyone else like you. God has called you by name. God has called you specifically to fulfill a specific assignment. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God says in his word, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Each of us have a very specific assignment. And I always say to ladies, this assignment is like running a race, right? And in order to successfully finish that race, we need to stay on course. We need to stop looking around at what others are doing. Because as we're looking, we're probably looking at someone who's actually finished their race. Or worse still, we're looking at someone who's begun a race and we're trying to compare themselves and, and make ourselves look better than they. You need to stay on course with what God has said that you must do. And you need to finish that race. With joy. Amen. I love Galatians uh, 5, oh, what is it? Galatians 6, verses 4 to 5 in the Message Bible. It says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. 
And so now the question many ask is, how do you do this? How do you, how do you discover that great and unique plan that God has for your life? And it's really simple. You spend time with your creator. He created you. He knows what he created you for. Spend time with your creator. Spend time with God. Spend time in his word. His word is your manual. His word will tell you what you were created for and who you are in Christ. Amen. And the verse says, and then sink yourself into that. In other words, once you've made an exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given, sink yourself into that. It says, don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. I'm going to say that again because we need to get this, ladies. Don't compare yourselves with others. Instead, each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. In other words, what Apostle Paul is saying is, stop comparing. Use the talents and gifts that God has given you to the best of your own ability. Amen. Our joy should never be found in being better than others. And besides, you you can never truly succeed at being yourself if you're always trying to be someone else. Amen. So be you, beautiful. You are unique, you are special, and you're significant. Someone say, I am carefully created to be a great success. Someone say, I'm purposely handcrafted by God to live a life of impact and significance. I am original. I am God's beautiful masterpiece. And that is who you are, ladies. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Now, the second principle I want to share with you this evening, if we can have the next slide, please. Okay, it's coming. Is that you are loved. And that's actually a picture of someone holding up, a, holding up their hands and, and making a heart shape. <laughs> okay, you are loved. God loves you. You, you. You are his beloved. Amen. Galatians 5 verse 6. It says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You see, ladies, the only way you can confidently walk in your true identity, the only way you can confidently walk in who you are by faith is to get a revelation of how much God loves you. You, personally. Not the bishop. Not your neighbor. Which he does. But God loves you. Because the fuel for your faith to work is love. A revelation of how much God loves you. And really, personally, I, I struggled with this revelation. I really did. I had, I had no problem, no problem whatsoever, believing that God loved the world, that God loved the nations, that God loved my uncle, my aunt, my husband, my children. But when it really came to receiving the revelation that God loved me, 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 I, I, I struggled. And I, I, and I believe the reason was because I... I I didn't always do things right. I wasn't always nice to people in traffic on my way to Santon. 45 minutes in the car, it's a long way. Someone cuts me in front, I sometimes shouted at them. 
And I said stuff that wasn't nice. I wasn't always, I didn't always pray and read my Bible. I, I, I just couldn't understand how God could love me even though I wasn't, wasn't lovely. And then I got the revelation after spending some time in the word and really just meditating on the word that that word love is actually agape. That word for love there that God loves us, that love that God loves us with, it's agape. And you know what that means, ladies? It means terms and conditions don't apply. It means God loves us unconditionally. And I think we all know in South Africa, you know, we've got, we've got, we, we take out contracts for stuff, right? Contracts for our cars, our cell phones, whatever. We take out contracts, okay? And usually, in the contract somewhere, sometimes it's even in fine print, or it's after 30 pages of stuff that you have to read. It usually says terms and conditions apply. On TV adverts, they're even more sneaky. They say, T's and C's apply. T's and C's apply. You're like, what? T's and C's apply. And what that means is they're saying that the deal, your cell phone contract, your car deal or whatever it is, is conditional upon certain things being met. And some of these things are probably like paying monthly fees. You know, for your car, you pay monthly installments. And, and, and the reality is this. If you miss a few payments, someone's going to repossess your car, right? So these deals are conditional on certain things being met. And, 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 and unfortunately, a lot of us, see God or see our relationship with God as being entering into a contract where we have to do some stuff for God to love us. But ladies, I've got good news for you tonight. That with God, there are no T's and C's. With God, there are no T's and C's. (laughs) God loves us unconditionally. God loves us unconditionally. God doesn't love us because we are lovely. He doesn't love us because we are lovable. He loves us because according to 1 John 4 verse 8, God is love. Love is God. Love is the very nature of God. He can't help it but to love you. And so I need you to receive this revelation tonight because it will profoundly change your life. God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. There are no conditions with God. He just loves you. He loved you While you were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for you. What manner of love is this? That he would send his only begotten son to die for you and me? One of my favorite scriptures ever is Psalm 139, verses 17 to 18. In the Passion Translation, I'll read it. It says, every single moment you are thinking of me, How precious and wonderful that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. You are on God's mind every single moment. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he has, how he does it, but that is our big God. That is the big God we serve. Every single one of us is on God's mind each and every second. Each and every second he is cherishing you. In other words, he is loving you in his every thought. This, this translation says constantly. In other words, he's never turning off that love. He's never turning off those good thoughts. Amen. God loves you. And I know we've, we've, we've really devalued this word and I don't know why. 
we've actually almost relegated it to, to bumper sticker status or fridge magnet status. But the revelation that God loves you, girls, is the most pivotal and the most powerful revelation that you will ever get. It will radically transform your lives. God loves you. God loves you. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Amen. You are God's beloved. Okay, I mentioned earlier that you are God's beloved. And that word beloved is really just two words. Compound word. Be loved. You are being loved by God. And I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary. I loved it so much. It said, to be beloved in the Webster's means to be greatly loved. To be dear to the heart. To be dearest. To be adored. To be prized. To be much loved. To be cherished. God cherishes you constantly in his every thought. You are God's beloved. Amen. Someone say, I am God's beloved. I am loved by God. And there is nothing anyone can do about it. And there is nothing that I can do about it. Amen. Amen. Jeez, and I see my time ticking away so quickly. And so I'm going to share with you my final principle. And this one's really been quite big to me. Um, God started speaking to me about it probably in the last two years. And, and it's really this. If I can have the slide up, Mr. Slideman. You can choose. You have a choice. You can choose. Amen. And so the designer life concept um, in its current form was, was birthed, what, about four or five years ago? And, and really simply put, for all those ladies that may not be familiar with what the designer life is, the designer life, simply put, is a life that is designed or fashioned after the word of God. Amen. It, it, it is the life of your dreams. It is that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. It is that wholeness, that prosperity, that nothing missing, nothing broken life that we, we, we dream about. And ladies, this life is possible. And while this life is very possible, it's not automatic. We need to choose it. We need to choose to live this life. And so Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, God speaking says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You know, if I could capitalize that, if I could have it in italics, if I could have it in big bold, I would. But he's saying, choose life that you and your seed may live. You see, human beings are what are called free will moral agents. We differ from the animal kingdom in that God has given us the privilege God has given us the power. God has given us the ability to choose. Amen. And so I know a lot of you probably went before this night. You all went to the, some of you might have gone to the salon to get your hair did. <laughs> I can guarantee you for those ladies who went to the salon tonight, none of you, none of you saw a zebra 
sitting on the chair next to you, asking for stripes to be painted on its body, right? Come on, ladies. Some of you went to the salon today, right? I can guarantee you that none of you saw a cheater (laughs) sitting on the chair next to them asking for stripes. I don't want my spots anymore. I want a stripes like a zebra. (laughs) No, it's not because animals live on instinct. Animals live on instinct. They don't have the power to choose, but we do. We have the power to choose. Someone say, I can choose. Verse 19 in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, you choose. You see, ladies, you have the power to decide. No one else has the responsibility but you. Your mom can't decide for you. Your husband can't choose for you. Your children can't even choose for you. God has given you the power, the privilege, and the ability to choose. And so while we're on that story of the salon, some of you again, You probably went to the salon, you chose your hairstyle, and you walked out of that salon looking fabulous because you knew you were going to diamonds and pearls, design a life. And guess what? God himself, God almighty himself, let you walk out of that salon with that hairstyle that you chose. You see, God will not violate your free will. God cannot. He has, he has, he has purposed it in his heart that he will not. Violate your free will. You can choose, ladies. You can choose. And so when I realized, or I realized, that in order to live this designer life, in order to live this life of abundance, prosperity, wellness, I had to choose it. And what does it mean to choose the designer life? It means simply to choose a life that's fashioned after the word of God. It means to choose God's word for our thoughts, our actions, and our words. John 10 verse 10, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Jesus says that they might have life. In other words, what he's indicating is that the abundant life is a possibility But it's only a possibility if we choose it. And so this evening, ladies, as we close, I want to encourage you to make a choice. I want to encourage you this evening to choose life. You know, we're going to have so many wonderful speakers come up and speak to us this weekend. We're going to have Carly. We're going to have Ashley. We're going to have Fasa Tafara. We're going to have... So much word this weekend. We're literally going to be saturated in the word of God. And I want to encourage you this evening to choose to receive every word. Choose to believe every word that God is speaking over you. Amen. Choose life. Amen.